Hi everyone. I've been doing some thinking and some research about the feelings and the needs that lie behind and beneath children's behavior. You know, kids don't act like miniature adults. They don't operate by the same logic. They don't have the same mm, harmony between thinking and feeling and acting. They don't make choices that make any sense based on what they know. Um, they could be impulsive, but they certainly aren't masters yet of that executive function of being able to think, feel, choose, and operate and manage their experiences in their world in a way that takes them forward in the direction that they would like to go and maybe even in the direction that the grown-ups around them would like them to go. So I'm preparing for a local parenting conversation. I, I will have flyers out later this week but it's going to be scheduled for Friday, September 20th at Benetor Congregation. So it'll, it'll be a morning session where we can sit around and firsthand use See Me, Hear Me, Love Me tools to understand what lies beneath all the crazy making kid behaviors that drive parents and grown-ups crazy, that, that make for the messiness of life with children. It can't be any other way. So, I mean, the children's behavior can't be any other way. They don't come out of the womb or turn into toddlers or preschoolers that automatically think, feel, and act the way the grown-ups around them wish they would. Neat, tidy, efficient, all that good stuff. Um, so we, we had a beautiful quote on Facebook last week, and it was, beneath every behavior there is a feeling and beneath each feeling is a need. And when we meet that need, rather than focus on the behavior, we begin to deal with the cause, not the symptom. Um, so it's this idea of how do we identify and respond to what children deeply, truly, and soulfully need in any given situation. What can they choose and manage for themselves? Where do they need our support, our help, our guidance? How hands-on should we be? How hands-off should we be? These are huge questions. So um, as I've been thinking about how I want to explore that in a group with parents, I went back to some of the old podcasts and one of them that came right with that title, What Lies Beneath, I do not have in my archives. It's it's in the odd it's in the podcast archives online, but I don't have that file to share again. But it was episode 16, and I strongly recommend that you go back and listen to that if you have time. And the one that I'm going to share with you today from the archives is number 76, which is tantrums and fairy dust. That tantrums come with a special magic because they are so indicative of how children think, feel, and act in these early childhood years. Um, and I, of course, I've said many times, you know, I am very envious of the transparency of children having meltdowns, stomping their feet, being irrational, because I then know how to respond and support that uh, versus 
when we get completely confused um, and misinterpret what children are thinking, feeling, and needing. So I want to get right to the need. So I'm going to play that podcast for you again today. And, and then I also would love you, if you have the time, to go back to the strong-willed child because there's another set of behaviors that is so often misunderstood, mislabeled, um, interpreted by adult perception and high expectations that don't meet um, the child exactly where they are. So based on the principles of see me, hear me, love me, it's how do we meet our children exactly where they are in the way they've arrived into this world with a temperament style, with learning styles, with impulsivity, with different ways of expressing and um, escalating emotions and um, physical all-in reactions to, to, to life struggles. So here comes um, tantrums and fairy dust. I love it and I love the parents who explore with me how it feels to, to try to unpack that those big emotions and those big tantrums. So enjoy. I'll be back with you next week um, with another See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. And I hope you're having a fabulous back to school and transition into new experiences for you and for your child. Have a great week, everyone. Today's podcast is Tantrums and Fairy Dust. As is often the case, this podcast topic started with a Facebook post. This particular post said, think of the mess like fairy dust. One day it will go away and take all the magic with it. I, of course, posted it saying, let's celebrate the messiness of life with kids. And one of the moms at today's square table was the first to write, I'm applying this to tantrums. Yes, I think tantrums are part of the magic of childhood, mostly because tantrums are real and transparent into the heart and souls of children and toddlers growing into themselves. We have three great moms at the square table today. We have Brooke Rosenstein, who is here just beginning the big emotion stage with her first child. We also have Rita Berger, who has lived through it with her older son and now does it all over again with twins. And we have Rachel Arujo, who also has two children, but in two different emotional stages. Let's start with Brooke. Brooke, did you ever suspect that tantrums could be magical? You know, it's funny because when I saw your post, I try to think of it as like this this time in my life and in Julian, my son's life, is fleeting. And so even though it's frustrating for us, um, I try to look at it like how much more frustrating is it for him? Exactly. And that it's really an expression of his growth. And so I really loved that post because it really, it was, it was a rough day too when I saw it. So it really was timely for me. And it, you know, just helps trying to like hold on to the good parts of it and kind of. Yeah, imagining all of that tantrum spewingness as fairy dust. That, you know, might get you through a few bad days, but yeah. now tell us maybe what you were experiencing that day, if you remember, or what you experienced this morning. So, of course, you know, trying to get out the door early. And, you know, Julian, he wants to play or he wants to eat or he wants to play with the dog, but he does not want to wear the left shoe. He only wants to wear the right shoe. But then you, 
you know, wants to play with the dog and he wants to grab his cup and he wants to hold my keys. Well, I can't lock the door if you're holding my keys. And we live in a condo building. So it's really become an event trying to get to the car because you have to go down the hall, yeah. down the elevator, then down another hall. It's like walking the, garage, the gauntlet with and the it's toddler. Like just to get to the car <laughs> has become a 20 minute event. Yeah. And they're screaming, and it's early, and I feel badly because there's the people whose apartments were walking by, and he's, like, losing his mind, flailing his arms. And I, again, it's like, okay, try to, like, How old is he? bring it in and think of it as magic. He's almost 16 months. Okay, so he's young, but yeah. he's feeling Welcome. his independence. <laughs> yeah. um, and he's smart, and he knows what he likes, and he knows what he doesn't like. And I'm going to come back to what works and what doesn't work. But I think you've certainly captured um, our goal, which is to sprinkle the fairy dust on it, to celebrate what this means for children's point of view. And then, as you said, knowing that it's harder for him, so much harder for him. And so you're in this, I mean, the way I think of it is this tantrum tightrope because you're trying to move them forward. You're trying not to give in to the tantrum. You're trying not to put gasoline on that fire. Um, you're trying to be the parent, <clears throat> and here's you get into that other tantrum chaos, which is trying to be the parent in control, yeah. which is guaranteed to throw you off course more. Um, and, but you have to get to work. You have to get out of the house. Yeah. You're trying to be an efficient adult. It's like, just fucking sit in the car seat. <laughs> <laughs> like, really? Like, it's taking us 20 minutes to get here. Like, just sit. It's yeah. like your sanity is just slowly slipping away with each minute that goes by, and you have to keep calm. And okay, this really is Rachel. Hard. Go for it, Rachel. Um... I mean, I'm in a very similar situation to you because my son is um, 18 months old and he does the exact same thing with the keys. Um, he's amenable to his shoes. Luckily, he's very <laughs> excited about putting them on, but it's hard to leave the house without him wanting to lock the door. And obviously, he can't really reach it, so it doesn't happen, but he wants me to have no part of it. Yeah. So there's many parts of the day that are difficult, and I felt that that fairy dust... Um, quote that was posted on Facebook yesterday was so applicable to me and I I went to bed feeling actually a lot of guilt just about how the day ran for me and for both of my kids and like wanting to be better for today and to reframe both of their behavior and my reaction as more of a situation of um if the mess was gone, then the magic is gone. And yes. so I want to look for the magic more than the mess because yesterday and many days, all I see is the mess. And like what you said about this period of time being so fleeting, it's true. It's what everyone says from the second you come home with a baby, you know, oh, it's going to go fast and it's so annoying to hear. And at the same time, I can't imagine a day when the magic isn't there. And I want to look for the magic more. And part of... My love of this quote is we don't get the magic without the mess. So when you're feeling that guilt, and we can kind of want to come back to the guilt and doing this in public and thinking of the other people that's, who's, who's hearing your child or is, whose lives are disrupted by whatever drama your child is creating, what happens with, with for me is we think it's not supposed to happen or we think that you're supposed to manage it better and the bottom line is you having real emotions and you having a real mommy response and you feeling deeply as you struggle 
is so much a part of this journey and as the onlooker, and I'm always the observer in this because I want to say, you know what? I adore you as parents. I respect you as parents. I, I give you the license and the permission to feel all of these ages and stages deeply because wishing them, wishing the messiness away makes it impossible to do this relationship building and this person support building that you're involved in. So you, there's no other way than through this. And with, and the tantrums, whether they're 16 months, whether they're two and a half, whether they're six, whether they're eight, whether they're 16, or whether they're you as grown-ups going, just give me a break to the world. Um, anyway, so I this is one of my favorite topics. So. Thank you for all that you just added to this conversation, and I want to come back to all of it. Rita, what's your, where are you in this? Uh, I am over it. <laughs> I'm over it. <laughs> I am. I mean, I've been dealing with it for eight and a half years now, and now with the twins, I have three and a half year old twins, and it's just all over again times two. And I'm just, I'm, I'm done. I'm over it, and I'm to the point where like I don't even give a shit about the magic anymore like I don't I don't care I just I I feel like to function like I just need to shut it all off and and, and I and I'm guilty of having my own tantrums when they I definitely lose it more than I should um but I also ignore it and so 90% of the time but here's here's a, my question for you because I that could be um enormous wisdom Mm-hmm. And, there, and, and I think it does happen when you have, you know, if let's say you have, imagine the parent with eight children. By the time you get to the last one, it's like, sorry, your drama just is not my drama. Right. And I think that might be the kernel of wisdom and truth in that, which is, I'm done with it. Like, yeah. their emotions can't throw me off course because I've got my own stuff. Right. And so... That is part of this emotional literacy and this social emotional development, which is, and and it is, it comes from an affirmation list that I read many, many decades ago for three-year-olds, which is, you can feel what you feel, and I will feel what I feel. And, and And it doesn't mean I abandon you or shame you because you're feeling anger, frustration, disappointment, um, confusion, impatience, all of the things that, that spark those tantrums. But it means your feelings are yours. I will help support you, guide you, or just let you feel them and be done with them. So tell, describe the typical tantrums and your newfound response well, it with depends. the twins. I mean, well, each child is different, definitely. Each of my kids are different. They throw tantrums differently, and they react to your reaction differently. You, you, Each one of them warrants a different reaction from me. Yeah. Matthew, my eight-and-a-half-year-old, I know that I need to ignore him and walk away because if I sit there and argue back with him, you know, he's eight and a half, he knows everything. If I sit there and argue back with him or, you know, start taking things away from him or disciplining him, it, it gets worse. He, he just, he doesn't stop it. It just, it, it keeps going and it just snowballs. So Do I you know, know that, why that is? Why that is? Mm-hmm. I mean, he will because he's stubborn. Because <laughs> he's like me. I don't know. We're just sitting there <laughs> Cute, arguing like, with each other. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I, no, technically I don't know why. Well, I guess what I want to just put out there is you think maybe, um, possibly, 
that a child needs engagement. You think they might need an explanation. You think they might need a parent um, that is a certain kind of parent. And the bottom line is when you're engaging, he, he falls deeper into the quicksand mm -hmm. or to that storm around right. him because it's giving him a sense of power right. that's not age appropriate and that just unsettles him rather than satisfies him and de-escalates. Right. So, and nobody has to know why, but I think that the secret is, how do you know you're doing it well or right? If it's working for you here and now, it's what it's the right answer. Mm -hmm. If it's not working, then it's like, hmm, something I'm doing isn't connecting or clicking or moving us forward. And so, yeah, as you're out there responding to each child's individuality and quirkiness and strengths and vulnerabilities, I can't give anybody quick and easy answers on how you should respond to a tantrum, but you will know by the response you get from your child right. if it's working or not. So go ahead. I'll go to Rachel, and then I want to come back to the twins, okay. what works, what doesn't work. There does seem to be like power in the idea of ignoring a tantrum, especially from an older child. Mm -hmm. I think with a younger child, there's also an issue of safety because I've seen kids get so upset that they're banging their heads against the floor and you can't ignore. But with my daughter who's six years old, listening to what you just said I feel like is inspiring because um, I think it's it's very good, a good concept for me to use with her to ignore her more. Mm -hmm. But I feel this um, sense of almost like a double-edged sword because I feel like I'm missing this opportunity to teach a lesson. Like as if I'm supposed to be teaching a lesson or she's supposed to be getting something out of the experience. Um, but she also learns a lesson by you walking away from it. As at right. this age, they know better, I feel like. And they know what's right and what's wrong behavior. And I'll simply tell Matthew sometimes, if you're going to behave like this, I'm going to walk away. And he knows it. And he and then it shuts down because he knows that I'm gone, and I'm done, probably, and it's over. As a general principle, you <clears throat> cannot teach during the tantrum. Right. Mm -hmm. So right. what, and my opinion on that is always, I love the idea for the youngest children. And I think you can start at 18 months talking at bedtime 10 minutes or on an, in a big comfy chair or on that car ride. Um, wow. Remember, reflecting on the day. And, and what was easy, what was hard. Remember when you were so upset. Remember when you were saying, no, 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 I won't put that shoe on. And just describing it at a distance gives them the sense like, yeah, that was me. Now at least they can own and hold that out, their feeling. So I think that is part of the in, in, giving the information. And then with your school-age children, if you can have family meetings once a week, or just some time to reflect. You know what, I know you needed help, but I don't think I can help you when you when your emotions are swirling. And, and then you can think about those descriptions of how would you describe a tantrum? You know, is it is it fireworks in your brain? Is it red ears? I mean, I also think that giving children the vocabulary and, and it can be poetry too. It it could be a dance. I mean it I mean to me it's very creative how you capture that information about who I am and what I feel. So I don't think it's neglect or um, it's not the old thing, like, it, go to your room and tell me when you're finished. Now, you can say, and I love the idea of renewal time, which says, I know you need a break. Why don't you go and, 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 find, and have a quiet moment or have a loud moment on your own and then come back. And if you need me, I'm here to help. So 
I don't know if that answered some of that that stuff about should I be a teacher through this. No, absolutely. I mean, I think that um, from a very like just basic perspective, that should be the answer, especially with an older child, you know, just to be able to walk away. And I think for me, I just have this almost like little dictator in my mind who's like, you need to do this right. You need to do this right. You need, you know, and that's something that has to do with letting go because it doesn't feel right in the moment, that engagement. But it does feel right when it happens where, like, before bed, we talk about her visiting feelings and what happened with the day. That's, like, a powerful time. But sometimes in the mess, you forget and you engage. I love, and I love that image of that little dictator in your head. Because for all of us, your children know how to push your buttons. Mm -hmm. Your children know how to emotionally pull you into their struggle because... I mean, that is the nature of the relationship. That is the nature of the attachment. And it's and it is it is their right brains reading your right brains and creating this deep emotional connection. But it's you as grown-ups, again, the other principle of emotional literacy, how do I learn to think and feel at the same time? And they don't know how to do it. Toddlers don't know how to do it. We don't know how to do it. It's like, how do I stay calm when I want to blow? But when we start thinking they should be done with their tantrums by two or by six, we don't even give ourselves permission to lose it. And so I really want to, that's, I mean, I want to celebrate tantrums as part of who we are as human beings and then embracing it and going, now, what do I need? And we are never smarter than our children in the moment. Because in the moment, you are in reaction. In the moment, you are in the putting out fires, grabbing your straws. And, and sometimes you just have to grab a straw and move forward. Get yourself out of, a, you know, out of a parking lot. Get your child into a car. You know, all those moments when, when it's, the world is just crashing in on you. That's, that's parenthood. But if you have a plan, okay, when I feel that dictator in my brain, you know, then I can say, shh, shh, you know, mommy's going to calm down for a second before she speaks. Um, Rita? That made me, I thought of something, what Brooke said with, um, when you said you were worried about bothering other people. Um, One thing that I've learned, you can't worry about other people. I don't give a crap what other people think anymore. And... If they don't understand, they either never had kids, they never were around kids, or they forgot. And which everybody is quick to do, forget that they're little ones. Everybody, you know, when you look back, you think, oh, my little one was perfect, never threw fits. Mm -hmm. Every child has thrown fits like this in public, everywhere. So I don't even pay attention to what people think around me. I do what I got to do to get through the moment, especially with three of them, and two of them the same age, because usually one will set off the other one. But... You, you just you can't worry about what other people yeah. think, and that's, that made me think of that. And the power Do is also, as do. you said before, if I think of what he needs and what he's feeling, yeah. then it makes it real easy to put your children's needs mm-hmm. above what other people's judginess yeah. is bringing. It's not even so much about the judgment of others, it's like the disruption of others. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, it's, it's part of the world. It's part of life. It's part of, yeah. you know, the, the circle of life. When they were little, they threw fits too. And, I, and I, I'm that mom who has said mm-hmm. things to people in, you know, in public places that, not rudely, but, you know, if somebody would say something rude to me, which a lot of people do, that, you know, I have no problems turning around and saying, I'm sure you were perfect as a child. I'm sure your children <laughs> were perfect. Congratulations, you know, let, let me know when you write your parenting book. 
but I, I, you have to. We you love ha- her. You, <laughs> have to, you have to keep going, and you have to do your child, and what's going on in that moment should be the main focus. Yeah. I mean, and every whether parent, you ignore it, whether you give into it, whether you, you know, are trying to calm them down, which I feel is the worst thing because it's just nobody ever calms never by being told happen. to calm down, right? <laughs> So, I mean... And the other obligation is for us to support other parents. You know, instead of looking and going, you know, like, I've been there. You know, just to be able to look with a a compassionate eye so Mm -hmm. that you don't feel alone. I was actually in a supermarket, and there was a woman with two kids, older, probably, like, elementary school age, and the son was clearly testing and pushing, and she's screaming at him. And the daughter's, you know, running back to the mom, you know, the... The brothers doing this and then, and it was, you could tell, it was like the after work. It was probably me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I tried to give her a look of like, and I had my son with me, a loose look of like, I, I gotcha, mm-hmm. like, sorry that you're going through yeah. it there, like, you're not alone. Can't wait until I get there. And she was just like, she was shut off to the world. Yeah. She was just so angry, and I felt for her. Like she but maybe somebody limits. else who was going to judge her saw that. Yeah. So let me come back to Rita, and then I want to hear from Rachel, and then we'll come back to Brooke, what works and what doesn't work. So describe for the twins, for the twins how are, different are they are. Totally opposite. I mean, in, in personality and everything, they're boy-girl twins, but, I mean, that has nothing to do with it. kind of does because they, they are, like, stereotypical. We've never raised them. You are a girl, you're a boy. It's always everything for everyone. Molly is drama, like drama mm-hmm. beyond drama. She has meltdowns every five minutes, I feel like, if something doesn't go her way because she is in charge. And if she doesn't, you know, she'll say, I'm the boss, and then Land and her twin will turn to her and say, no, you're not. Yes, I am. And then it brings on a full meltdown because, God forbid, somebody told her she's not the boss. And she's melting down about this, that, and the other. And with her, I have to, it's usually like a, oh, here we go again type thing. And I'm just looking at her. But with Molly, I have to gauge the situation. For her, I feel like every situation warrants a different reaction. Sometimes, most of the time, it's ignoring Cause she'll just she's looking at me like well why aren't you you know talking back to me like where's my attention and then it just stops sometimes she needs the attention sometimes she needs just to be coddled or you know whatever to get over it and a lot a lot of times I do find myself because she is my difficult one giving in to her um, just to get through it because then I can see the other one starting, like I, I can see the situation start to play Spiral. out. Because then he, yeah, he, Landon's thinking, well, he's paying, she's paying attention to her because she's throwing that fit. And then Lan- Matthew, the older one, is, mommy, Molly's, you know, telling on them. Like I don't know what's happening. She's right here in front of my face throwing the fit. And I just, if it, sometimes I feel like giving into her, which I know is a huge mistake on my part, but that's how I need to deal with it at the moment. But I, I do give in to her more often. And I'm glad you said that because once again, you remind us you don't have to do this by the book. You get to choose no how you live through the moments and the situations. So I applaud you for saying no. I know I'm not supposed to give in, but that's what works for we all do. of us, and I'm juggling a whole whack-a-mole situation mm-hmm. here. So bravo, because I want every parent <laughs> to choose for themselves but rather you know than think there's a right I or found wrong more, way. I find more people in public judging me for giving in. And then the times when I don't give in, some you know, another mom will come over and say, stay strong, mom, don't give in. 
but I, but I know that I need to, otherwise it's going to get worse. And, you know, and I, so I just love it. And what about Landon? Landon, Landon's my easy one. Landon, (laughs) Landon is my easy one. He, um, he rarely has fits, honestly, because he just kind of sits back and watches everything unfold. Um, usually when Molly is having her fits, he starts with the mommy, 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 because he wants me to focus on him. And, and a lot of times I will to not focus on her. Um, but he, he, he really is, he's so easy, chill, okay, so laid back. Just in case does, this applies to somebody out there, is it possible that when he has a tantrum, it's either gigantic and you enormous. know it really matters. It's enormous. And, and he, wait, wait, he, what, like he, he's the kid that bottles it all up. Yes. And then explodes. Okay. So, but it, it, it happens rarely. But when it does, I know that he needs the coddling. Yeah, yeah. Because what I was also going to say is there might be some children out there who are who don't have as many tantrums. And what you realize is they still need the safety valve. Mm-hmm. Or they still need that sense that says, you know what, I got you even when you're not exploding. Right. Because you know that they still have the full range of emotions. Mm-hmm. And, though, and emotions are unsettling to little people and to big people. So... Thank the, I mean, I think you having you here shows us the whole spectrum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, now all. to your, now to each. Oh, I want to say one more thing to you, Rachel, um, and, cause I, and then you can explain um, if Leo has tantrums and how you, how, what works for him. You had said, I think that um, not intervening in a school-aged child's tantrum is a good strategy, but that's not always an option for toddlers, that they might need a different thing. And you said, like headbanging. And so, you know, I can think of lots of examples um, where children will know, if I do this, I know I can escalate the moments. And the pediatricians that I've spoken to over the years will say, you know what, if that's a goose egg on that forehead because they're headbanging on a crib or on a tile floor, they will still say ignore it. Now, um, again, check with your pediatricians. Mm-hmm. But again, if sometimes that physical tantrum, yes, you're, they have to be bubbled, bubble wrapped somehow, um, or have you nearby just to make sure that they're not falling off cliffs. Um, but I do think that there still is that same principle of, you know what, if, if you have a child that's very expressive physically in that tantrum, it's like move them to a carpet, mm-hmm. find a place, you know, put some pillows around them, sit within six feet and say, you know, I'm here when you need me. Um, but anyways, I'm not sure that there's that stark dis- difference, but I'd like to hear how you dis- differentiate. Well, I'm glad that you said that because Leo is not at that point yet um, of having any kind of like a physical tantrum other than throwing himself on the floor. Um, I have seen my daughter when she was younger have more of a physical tantrum. I mean, literally overturning furniture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, <laughs> we we did get to the point where we had to walk away, you know, keep an eye on her, make sure that she was safe. But, you know, we needed to take a few minutes for ourselves to calm down and go back in and give her what she needed to sort of come back into the world, hopefully a little calmer. Um, But she has a very gigantic, strong, big personality. But I think just hearing you say that um, about having the goose egg on the forehead can quiet down that little dictator who will pop his head up and say, you need to save your child from this, you know? Um, It's good to know that you don't always have to swoop in and save them. Um, But Leo's tantrums have been making the day-to-day life a little more challenging. Um, 
but I, I typically will try to validate his feeling, narrate and express what he's thinking and feeling like, you know, Leo wanted to put the key in the door and, and, and you couldn't, and that must make you feel angry or sad. We have a book on feelings and kids expressing those feelings, so I try to relate it to that. Um, and then I just try to kind of um, introduce him to something else that might take his mind off of it, and it typically works. Um, but I expect it to get a little bit more challenging as um, the months go by because I think he's just in that really early stage of tantruming. Like my daughter, it hit when she was two, and I remember like being on a walk in our neighborhood, and she threw herself on the floor and just kicked and screamed, and there were neighbors walking by, and this was like the first game in the series for me of tantrums, <laughs> and all I could think about was the neighbors are going to, like, call the police. Like, I'm, you know, what is happening? You know, I wasn't prepared at all as a first-time parent. I feel a little more prepared now, but it can still catch you in a tough moment where you're trying to, you know, do the dishes and help the old Mila with her homework, and all of a sudden you have, you know... They never come at a good time. No. <laughs> they, no. It, and, and it's never a learning moment. Um, huge, huge, huge issues there. Um, the one thing I want to just say with the, the key, how is he, how is that working when you describe his feelings for him at this age, under two? It's working well. It, 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 you can see him sort of, it's it starts to creep in yeah. and he starts to settle a bit. I think he's just like focusing on something else and I hope that there's like some little strands of connection starting that he knows that I hear him. You know, like he's not just being ignored. See me, hear me, love me. Mm -hmm. I do believe that is the secret. Mm -hmm. um, and then with the key in the door, I mean, again, if, if the big emotional descriptions aren't working, start with just describing the moment. So it's like, you can't reach it. It's too <laughs> high. Sometimes I think describing what the source of the frustration is also helps bring in that cognitive, so I'm thinking and feeling without going through your frustrated. I, I kind of think, generally speaking, the describing the emotional states, two and a half, three and a half, you have a little, they, they can then verbalize that a bit, but you still have to put those pieces together. Yeah. The other thing I just want to put out there in the world um, is that distraction works for a long time mm -hmm. until it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And what I want to say is they get too smart for it. And so be careful if you're doing it as a... It, it, and you and look at your intentions. It, not that you can do it in the moment, but in that reflective moment, where it's like, where if you're just shaking a shiny object at them, they're like, "You're kidding me, really? You think you're gonna take me off of this for that <laughs> shiny off uh, object? No way." But engagement, I think, really does work. And then that is the true "see me, hear me, love me," which is, "Can you reach it? Do you want my help?" Um, slowly slowly where's the key in the keyhole you know whatever somehow or you know what I know I want to get to the car really fast because we're going to get um, your sister at school you know like if you can I mean my number one distraction when children don't want to leave the classroom and they're having meltdowns or they don't want to put their shoes on is what color is your car because now it's like now I have to think what I don't know what color my car is, lady. <laughs> but but two-year-olds like to name colors. And now they have to... So that sometimes will... Be, and I have to be genuinely curious to hear the answer. I have to truly be present rather than like just sh waving shiny objects. That's like a tactic called um, observe and describe, which is really big in like 
you know, positive psychology and mindfulness where at any age you can give someone an object. I mean, maybe not an 18-month-old, but I, I think you could. And just say, like, what does this feel like? And it sort of blanks your mm-hmm. mind to your only thinking about not, oh, this is a pen, but, wow, it feels smooth. It feels cool. There's a little bubble at the bottom, you know, and then they and then it sort of gets them out of that emotion mind. I love it. And yeah. it brings mindfulness into the tantrum remember response. That. <laughs> Love it. Okay, we're running out of time because it is a Shabbat morning here at B'nai Torah. <laughs> so, Brooke, tell me what works and what doesn't work and how and, <clears throat> and what you're taking away from all of this. Um, I think I found that I need to let him own whatever he's feeling at the time. But, you know, the trick with that is that time in general is a commodity. Thank and you. so... I, I don't always have 30 minutes to That's get right. to the car. And so sometimes it's just scooping him up and letting him lose his mind and running down the hallway with, you know. Like yesterday evening, coming in from school, he throws himself on the floor and he's doing like this inchworm. You know, like, <laughs> he's not going to be touched. He's not going to be on anyone else's schedule. And he's the sweetest boy yeah, on the planet. And so, okay, all right, go for it. You know, and I try, let's go see your brother Theo that's the dog you know like (laughs) you don't want the keys and I'm like shaking them in front of him and you know sometimes redirecting helps and sometimes he just needs to get through whatever that emotional surge is and then we're all better like it's like literally turning a corner I think that 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 really is it's just hard for us to catch up Mm -hmm. you know because you you don't have time they have lots of time yeah and you have to catch up like emotionally like I kind of feel I feel the pain you know and then I'm and then all of a sudden they're better and I'm like oh my god I need like you know I don't know a drink or something exactly exactly um, I know Rita has to leave, so let's do our wrap-up, and it's always the same. How have you got this for right here, for right now? As far as tantrums go, <laughs> do I got this? Yes and no. It's a day. It's a daily battle. It's, you know, different every day. You never know what you're going to get, and and I just, I deal with it as it comes, and yeah. sometimes dealing with it is not dealing with it. Sometimes dealing with it is dealing with it, and giving in or whatever they need. It just do what you got to do. This is why you're one of my favorite podcast guests because (laughs) you are real and you are honest and you you honor who you are. Any last words about mommy tantrums? Mommy tantrums are great. (laughs) (laughs) They are great. I I have them often. I do. I'll admit it. I do. What do you need when you're having a tantrum? I I need to just go away, walk away, and I need time to myself and I need to cool down. Absolutely. And, And sometimes... My kids and Scott get it, and sometimes they don't, and they follow me upstairs, and I just go in, and I lock my door, and I'm like, Mommy needs a minute! (laughs) Mommy's in time out! (laughs) And sometimes the world will understand, and sometimes it won't. Right. I love it, Rita. Rachel, how have you got this? Well, I think that I feel a lot of strength just by listening to what you had to say and what Rita and Brooke had to say, and I'm going to take that with me. And, you know... Just try to give myself a break, which should be my mantra, because then I think I'll be much better for my kids and um, and try to stay connected with them. Thank you. And, and how valuable is that, that in, that in so much of this is about taking care of yourself and being kind and compassionate and forgiving to yourself? And we didn't even get to the guilt, um, <laughs> but, but, that, but that layer <clears throat> is so much a part of um, how we respond to what kids need and feel. Thanks. Brooke? You know, I'm not even really sure what to say. 
Except it kind of brings me back to where we started with that post in that it really is about giving them the space they need emotionally and accepting that it's part of the growth. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know my son, I think, is young to be starting with all of this, but I think if I think of it as it being magic and it being the gateway to communication and, you know, his own growth, it makes it easier. Except then I listen to your stories with your older kids. I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> what's he going to be like at six and at eight? But... But this and that's it. So part that of the first path. time mom experience, because it goes to your moment of when you're when the first time it happens, like I am not prepared for this. <laughs> that somehow we can like fill you up with this fairy dust that says, you know what, nothing they're gonna do is is wrong, or your fault, or not exactly part of this this journey of growing and learning. Thank you for, I give you full credit no, for picking this topic, you. and I'm so glad. Um, I was hesitant at, at fairy dust and magic, but um, you made me a believer of it today even more. So thank you, thank you. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow, listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey, loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules, you write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Wait, 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 one more thing. If you liked our podcast, please tell a friend. Or even better, write us a review at iTunes. We'd also like to invite you to join us on Facebook. That's with me, Karen Deerwester. And check out the parenting resources at FamilyTimeInc.com. You'll also find us on Twitter at at FamilyTimeInc and Instagram at Karen underscore FamilyTime. Thanks for listening today. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this wonderful space. Thanks to Darren Littman for the great intro. And thanks to The Front and The Follow for the song Listen. We are listening. See you next week.